You're listening to a podcast from gravitychurch.com, Lodi, California. You have to look at what comes out of us towards other people, the way that God lives through us. And many of us, that scares us because we're like, wow, I'm not really somebody who um, feels qualified to reflect God's love. You know, we know who we are and it really, we hope it's not like God, right? But yet God's idea of love is to be able to show through us to a world around us. What we summarized it by saying is that God is love and God is in us. So when we show God, we are showing love. Or when we show love, we are showing God. It's a understanding of God's place in us. It's pretty crazy, right? Well, thank you, Shelly. Guys, all say hi to Shelly. Shelly is in the house tonight. So don't shout me down, girl. Don't shout me down. I got a loud microphone. So tonight we're going to pick up in the book of Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25. We're going to start uh, reading a story that is really, really interesting. Very, very telling story about love and about Jesus' perspective of love. Follow along with me. It says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, teacher, what must I do to receive eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? This is a really interesting little dialogue that's happening here between Jesus and this guy. Because we don't really know why this guy was questioning Jesus. We, we have to speculate of why he was putting Jesus on the spot. But it seemed to happen a lot to Jesus. Everywhere he went, people wanted to know, what did Jesus think about this or what did Jesus think about that? Many of you have heard me describe the fact that there were many teachers in this culture. There were many rabbis, if you will, that studied and tried to follow the Jewish law. And so when they would come to Jesus, they would ask him, well, Jesus, everybody else says X, Y, and Z, but what do you say? In other words, there was something in Jesus' teachings that they had never heard before, and they wanted to know what Jesus thought about all kinds of stuff. And they would say things about Jesus like, we've never met or heard any teacher that teaches with such authority, with such conviction, somebody who seems to know the law so well. And so as we see this interaction, we have to assume that this guy is coming from that standpoint of really wanting to know why Jesus says the things that he says. And so Jesus, knowing this, says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my answer by telling you a story. 
How many of you guys have ever been put on the spot before by somebody, you know, and you want to, they want to know, you know, how do you feel about certain things or how do you feel about this? And there's really no good way that you can answer. Jesus was in this situation all the time. And so he told a story. Let me tell you the story that Jesus shared. Jesus replied with a story or an illustration. He said, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes and money, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a Jewish priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side of the road. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt deep pity. Kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine, and he bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two pieces of silver and told him to take care of the man. If his bill runs higher than that, he said, I will pay the difference the next time that I'm here. Jesus says, now, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. The one who showed him mercy. The guy says, who really is my neighbor? In other words, what the guy is saying is, how far does this really go? This whole love your neighbor as yourself business. This whole love God with all your heart. He's like, how far does this really go? Because we as humans, we want to know where the lines are, right? We want to know where this, this thing stops. And so if it stops right here, I can get right up next to it before I cross over the line. That's how we, that's how we are wired. That's how we think. Some of us play it safe, so we'll, we'll stay this far from the line. But we want to know where the lines are. We want to know how things work. We want to know the rules of the game. And this guy says, who is my neighbor? In other words, do I have to really show love to the guys that screw me? Do I have to really show guys that, to the, love to the guys that don't deserve it? Do I have to show love to the bad people? Come on, Jesus, tell me, who, who is my neighbor? And so this story that he lays out is so incredibly deep because we have to put ourselves in their situation, in their culture for a second. In, in the Jewish culture, you guys need to get this. Excuse me. Talking to a step. In the Jewish culture, there was an incredible, incredible racism at play. These people were racist. They did not like certain groups of people. And the biggest racists were the Jews and the Samaritans. They didn't like each other. They didn't believe they, they just looked at each other. They didn't believe in each other's religions. They didn't believe in their, in their culture, in their background, in anything about it. They didn't like each other. They didn't even acknowledge each other. Yeah. Oh, why? Because they were racist. I don't know. Why does racism exist today? Any of you guys ever read Dr. Seuss? Yeah, Dr. Seuss gets it right on the head. You guys ever read Sneetches? You know, the guys that have the little X's on their bellies and then the guys that have the O's? Well, you need to. It's deep. Anyway, 
Dr. Seuss gets it nailed on the head. It's like, I want to be like the guy with the X on his belly. And so then the guy go puts, goes and puts an X on his belly, and then that guy with the X on his belly goes, well, that's not right. I want, the, I want to be with an O on my belly. And so he's, anyway. The Samaritans and the Jewish culture, they didn't, they didn't jive. They didn't get along at all. And so for Jesus to use this illustration where he says, there's, there's a Jewish man that gets mugged. There's a Jewish man that gets mugged and gets left on the side of the road, and he's laying there. Jesus is basically pointing at this Jewish teacher, and he's saying, look, this is one of your people. He's on the side of the road, and he's been mugged, and he's laying there. Okay, so Mr. Jewish religious teacher, let me tell you a story. This guy gets mugged, and he's laying on the side of the road, and along walks a Jewish man, one of your people. And he looks at him and he goes, oh my gosh, that guy's in bad shape. I better hurry up and get away. And then he says, and then there's another guy, another Jewish man. Except for this Jewish man, he works at the temple. So he's a religious Jewish man. He's a religious person who com- he, he understands the Jewish way of life. And he also walks right past him. And so then Jesus summarizes and says, but there was a Samaritan, your enemy, Mr. Jewish teacher of the law, a Samaritan who you don't even recognize as a human being. There was a Samaritan who was walking by and saw a Jewish person who he hated, laying in the road, beaten up. And he goes to him and he picks him up and he takes him to a hotel And he lays his wallet on the counter, and he says, whatever it costs, I will pay for it. I don't care how much the bill is. Help this guy get better. Help this guy get well, and I will pay for it. Jesus summarizes this story, and he says, who do you think is his neighbor? Who do you think is his neighbor? The guy that looks like him? The guy that believes like him? So this Jewish guy looks at this this Jewish man laying there, and this religious teacher is standing there, and he says, I don't understand this story. I don't understand, Jesus, how you just took my culture and you just turned it upside down. I don't understand how you just took my entire belief system and with one little story dismantled it. I hate this guy, and yet when you tell me a story like this, I have to see it the way that you want me to see it. And Jesus says, so who do you think is his neighbor? The one who showed mercy. Has anyone here ever received mercy? I know I have. I want to say something to you right now about love. And if, if I say this to you, you're going to probably agree with me. But I'm going to say it to you in a way that you have to think of this story. True love, it gets involved. True love, it gets involved. It does something. True love does not walk past a situation. 
True love does not ignore its world around it. True love does not think, oh, I need to just mind my own business. Oh, they don't want my help. I, I'm just going to ignore what's going on in my world because I don't want to rock the boat. True love crosses over the line of people's space sometimes and says, you know what? You may not think you need help. You may not be asking me for help, but I can tell you, you need help, and I want to give you help. True love gets involved. Now, some of us are not comfortable with that because we think in our life of where we feel safe, where we feel comfortable, where we feel as if I'm, I'm okay in this, little, in this little world. You see, God's love wants to express itself through us. Do you think that God's love has limits? Does God's love have limits? How far have we gone? How far have we run from God? How many things have we tried to do to silence his voice because we just didn't want to be near him? How far have we gone? And his, has his love gone that far? Oh, yeah. His love knows no bounds. It will go wherever. You and I that call ourselves believers, that call ourselves Christians, that call ourselves followers of Jesus, we carry God's love inside of us. And it knows, no, it knows no limits. It knows no bounds. True love gets involved. Say it a different way. True love inconveniences itself sometimes. It gets messy. It steps into places that maybe we're not comfortable stepping into for the sake of God's love inside of us. This man did a really cool thing. I was at the thrift store last week and Caesar and I were talking and, uh, and Caesar actually shared this little verse with me and when he said it, I was just like, oh my goodness, I've never seen it before. He said, you know, Jason, when this, when this guy in this story went to take care of this beaten up guy and he laid his wallet on the table, he basically says, I'm gonna take care of this guy with no limits. I'm not going to put a limit on how much I'm going to be willing to pay. Just take care of him. And some of us, we need to take the limits off of our love. We need to take the limits off of what we're okay doing. We need to take the limits off of our conversation with God that says, God, I'll do this, but please don't ask me to do any more. We've got to take the limits off of the things that God is putting in our path because when we put ourselves in God's way, guess what God's going to do? He's going to open our eyes. He's going to open our ears, and we're going to see things that we've never seen before, and he's going to say, I want you to meet that need. I want you to speak to that person. I want you to show the love that I so desperately want to love. You see that when you and I walk around in this world, in this culture, in this neighborhood around us, and we see poverty, and we see abuse, and we see brokenness, God inside of us wants to cure that. God inside of us wants to heal that. God inside of us wants to restore that. And when we feel that, and our, and our mind kicks in and says, no, I can't, I don't, I, I'm uncomfortable, there is this internal 
dialogue that starts to happen, this internal wrestling match that starts to take place of pushing us into places that we're not comfortable going. And yet God says, I want you to show mercy and love with no limits and remove all prejudices. Let me love through you. We have been shown mercy in our life. And mercy is one of those things that if you've ever truly been shown mercy, then you understand that when you have received mercy, it inspires you to show mercy. When you understand the mercy that you have received from God, it inspires you to want to show that same mercy to the world around you and to the situations in your life. Jesus said it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, God blesses those that are merciful. And then he says, for they will be shown mercy. It reciprocates. It continues. It continues to go round and round and round. When God shows us mercy and we understand it and we receive it, that mercy is like a seed planted in our hearts looking to grow and looking to show somebody that same mercy. Think about that for a second. When you have received mercy from God into your heart, it's like it goes inside, but it doesn't just stay dormant there for us to just receive and sit there and go, oh, God, thank you for the mercy that you've shown. The mercy of God begins to grow. It begins to grow inside of us. And what, does it hap what happens when something inside of you begins to grow? It's got to come out of you, right? It's got to come out of you. Be eventually, it's got to come out of you. And that's the mercy of God. You see, true love, it gets involved. And mercy is one of those things that can be shown in a tangible way because nobody deserves mercy. There's not a single one of us here that deserve mercy. And yet, you have the power to show it in everyday life. Do you know that you can show mercy to somebody at the grocery store by letting somebody go in front of you? Do you know that you can show mercy in your marriage to your spouse when you don't act like you normally act and you trip them all out and freak them out by being somebody else? You know that you can show mercy to your employer or to your employees? There are so many situations in our life. You can show mercy to your children. You can show mercy by becoming a coach for a baseball team. There are so many things that we look around in our life that God says, I want to use you as an instrument of my mercy to be able to go and show God's mercy to those that don't even deserve it. Because when you show mercy to those that don't deserve it, you're showing them God. Think about it. When you show mercy to somebody that doesn't deserve it, you are giving them a glimpse of God. People don't know how to receive it. They don't know what to do with it. It's like, why would you do something like that? God wants us to be instruments of mercy and to allow his love to flow through us. One of the ways that we believe that we can be instruments of mercy in people's life 
is by involving ourselves in their situations. And one of the best, most life-altering way that you can get involved in somebody else's life is by praying for them. There have been so many answered prayers in this church in the last month. It's mind-blowing. From the smallest to the greatest, we have seen God show us how big and how powerful and how much He cares and how strong He really is. He's shown it to us time after time after time. And so as Dustin said earlier, there are cards in the back for you to be able to write your prayer needs on them, to be able to, if you want to give us your name or your email address, we can get them on the internet and we have a prayer chain that we can email each other and it's confidential so you're not, we're not going to post your prayer requests for everybody to see. But I challenge you, I challenge you to talk to one of us. One of us leaders, you know who we're all just random. If we act like we know what we're doing, just talk to us. But if you want to start praying for people, if you want to start getting involved in people's lives, God wants that. God desires that. There's opportunities for prayer every single day of your life. There's opportunities for prayer every single moment of your life to be able to involve yourself in somebody else's situations if you're willing, if you're willing to do it. And we'd love to have your contact info if you want to become somebody that will begin to pray for those around us. And if you have something in your life that you need prayer for, we want to know about it. Tonight as we come to take communion, and as we come to these, these tables, like we do every week, somebody asked me recently, they're, they're like, why do you do this every week? Why do, you, why do you take communion every week? What's the deal with that? And I, I told them this story in the Bible where, where Jesus basically was having his last meal here on earth. He was getting ready to die for us. He was really at that moment where he knew he was, he was going to lay down his life. And he said, you're going to forget about me. You're going to forget about what I'm going to do really quickly here. You're going to forget about the next 72 hours of my life. You're going to forget about all the different things that are about to occur. And he said, but I don't want you to forget. So he said, every time you get together, I'm going to give you a really easy way to remember what I do and what I'm about to do for you. He said, take a piece of bread, and when you look at it, I don't want you to think that this is just bread, but I want you to think of this as a symbol of my body that I'm about ready to have beaten up for you. And he says, I want you to take a glass of wine, or actually a glass of, of the vine. We use grape juice here, but... He says, I want you to look at that juice and I want you to think about the literal blood that I am about to lose. The blood that's going to come out of me. The blood that is going to be there for you. And I want you to take this and I want you to remember me. And so we have to do this often because our life is busy. Our, our society 
It steals us away from the things that are most important to us all the time. And guys, this is most important to us. And so every time we come back to these tables, we are realigning ourselves up with the most important thing that we possess. And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ because of what he did on a cross a long time ago. He died for us. And as a result of that, we get to know our God in heaven, our Father in heaven. And so tonight, if you're somebody who's a believer or somebody who knows Jesus, then come to these tables. Take this bread and this juice and go back to your seat or come to this altar and talk to him. Don't just dip this and stick it in your mouth and let it be some meaningless ritual. Talk to God and say, God, I want to remember this and I want to thank you for what you've done for my life. I want to realign myself with the things that need to be realigned. Put you in charge. Line myself up with you, God, because you're the most important thing to me, Jesus. We're going to worship together for a few moments, and we're going to let God talk to us. Because some of us have heard some things tonight. We need to talk to God about it. There's some things that God has spoken to you that you need to respond to him by saying, okay. So would you come? There's communion stations here and here and here. Would you come and have a moment with that? You've been listening to GravityChurch.com.